Blog Talk Radio. internet broadcast of Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish. This is Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist. Today, we're talking about a new heaven, a new earth, no more death, and the tree of life. It's all in the new earth prophecy. Thank you for being here with me and with us today. Um, This program is Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish, and I want to begin by sharing a quick overview of the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. By my analysis, my perception is that it has six parts. It begins with a preface, which is followed by a formal introduction narrated by uh, primarily John the Revelator, but we also have the words of Jesus Christ. The third part of the book of Revelation includes seven letters to seven churches. It is uh, exclusively the words of Jesus Christ. So there's, there are no words from any other person, including John the Revelator. Part three of the book of Revelation are the words of Jesus Christ only, words of praise, words of criticism, and promises to those individuals who were in the seven churches that existed at that time, with that time being when John the Revelator lived on this present earth in his mortal body. Part four of the book of Revelation, that is John's report on heaven. So in the formal introduction, part two of the book of Revelation, John recounts his the first part of his supernatural experience where he was visited by Jesus Christ on his present earth, in part four of the book of Revelation, he visits heaven. So he goes to present heaven, and he tells us exactly what he sees. So he reports uh, what he sees. So there are no uh, metaphors in it. There are no prophecies in it. It's simply a report of what he actually saw as he stood in heaven. The fifth part of the book of Revelation includes its prophecies. So the bulk of the book of Revelation are the statements of prophecy. Uh, They are the visions. John the Revelator was shown. He was shown visions external to himself, uh, moving pictures with sound. Today we call those moving pictures with sound movies. In this case, documentaries because these uh, moving pictures with sound included uh, only events that are going to happen in the future, going to happen uh, in time. Time exists within God, so the past, present, and future are all within God. But for us and for John the Revelator, those events were in the future. He was shown 12 by my analysis, my perception is that 
he was shown 12 visions, uh, 12 documentaries, if you will, when he was in heaven. He was shown these by the angel of the Lord. Uh, He wrote down what he saw. We refer to what he has written down as prophecies. Okay, so he experienced them as uh, visions that were external to himself, as uh, documentaries, as if he were in a movie theater, except it was a movie theater in heaven, not on his present earth. And then he wrote down exactly what he saw and heard. So that's part five of the book of Revelation. It ends, part six, with a formal conclusion. It's narrated by both Jesus Christ and John the Revelator. So those are the six parts of the book of Revelation. It's important to know where you are in the book of Revelation in order to unlock its secrets. Now, we're going to focus on part five. That's the prophecies. They begin with verse 1 of chapter 5 and end with verse 5 of chapter 2. And today we're going to talk about the new earth prophecy. It's the 12th and final prophecy in the book of Revelation. It begins with verse 1 of 21, and it ends with verse 5 of chapter 22. If you'd like to look at the free basic one-page study notes, you can blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. The one-page basic study notes are there uh, at no cost always. Everything at PGN is always uh, free. You can get those at any time if you want to see some of the information that we are talking about today. The one-page basic study notes are there for you. So we're focused on the New Earth Prophecy today, and I want to take us to... 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire, and the elements will melt away in the flames. So we heard elements will melt away in the flames. Uh, Verse 13, finally, it says, But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. So in 2 Peter, we're told that as believers, we look forward to the new heavens and the new earth that God has promised. And we're also told that the present heavens, is going to pass away and that uh, it's going to disappear in that uh, the elements themselves will disappear in fire and that the heavens will be on fire. So we're going to go now to the reality of that future. So how do we go from Peter saying we look forward to that day 
when God will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. And we look forward to new heavens and a new earth. How do we go from looking forward to it to experiencing it? So that's what we're going to talk about today, looking at the new earth prophecy. So the new earth prophecy begins with that reality. It hangs together with three prophecies in the book of Revelation. So the 10th vision John the Revelator was shown by the angel of the Lord when he was in heaven is the millennial reign prophecy. So immediately after Jesus Christ fights and wins the battle of Armageddon, during which the Antichrist and the false prophet will be destroyed, immediately thereafter, we have the beginning of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth. Now, we already know from Isaiah that the government of Jesus Christ, once it begins on the earth, it will never end. Because in Isaiah it says, and of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end, talking about Jesus Christ. But there will be an end to this present earth. Yet there's no end to his government. Well, how is that possible? So we are going, as we just heard in Second Peter, to a new earth and new heavens. So in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 10, we have a documentary on the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth. After that thousand years has ended, Satan is also destroyed. And then... We have the Great White Throne Judgment described in documentary number 11, that's the Dead Judge Prophecy. At that time, after the Great White Throne Judgment has concluded, we transition to a new earth. So how do we make sense of that? There are five enemies of God. And each of those enemies must be destroyed before we transition to a new earth. Those enemies, in the order of their destruction, the Antichrist and the false prophet, they'll be destroyed at the Battle of Armageddon. Satan, he'll be destroyed at the end of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this earth. The children of Satan, they will be destroyed when they are found guilty at the great white throne judgment. That's after the millennial reign. And finally, Death and the grave itself, death and Hades, will be thrown uh, into the lake of fire, Gehenna. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26 says, And the last enemy he destroys will be death. Who's he? Jesus Christ. And in fact, we see in the book of Revelation that it's absolutely true. In these documentaries, John the Revelator was shown about the future. He saw death being thrown into the lake of fire, and that's called the second death. It's permanent. The lake of fire is the second death, it says at the end of Revelation chapter 20. Now, again, we're going to talk about the new earth. How do we get from the old earth to the new earth? We get there because... 
there is the holy fire of God that consumes everything that itself is not holy, including present heavens which have been defiled by Satan and the other fallen angels, and the present earth which has been defiled, which is under the curse uh, due to the events that happened in the Garden of Eden. Now, let us hear the beginning of the New Earth Prophecy. Here it is, chapter 21, verse 1 in the book of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Now, let's back up for a second. How is it that the old earth had disappeared and the old heaven had disappeared? Because... These, as noted in Second Peter, uh, they're going to be set on fire. It says in Second Peter, the heavens, so including the present heaven and the other uh, heavens, the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And then we're told, on that day he will set the heavens on fire. So God's holy fire is going to um, set the present heavens on fire, and we are going to transition to new heavens and a new earth. And uh, once that happens, what else happens? Here it is, verse 2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Let's pause there for a second. This is not a metaphor. This is literal. So when we transition to a new earth, only those who are in Christ, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, only those who are among the sheep, among the wheat that have been harvested, the good fish who were kept, will be permitted to transition to the new earth. The others will be uh, will transition to the lake of fire. And their transition to the lake of fire happens before our transition to the new earth. So there's a bifurcation there with all creation, uh, all creation with respect to human beings at the end of the age, transitioning either to the location known as Gehenna, that's the lake of fire, or transitioning to the new earth, which is described here in Revelation chapter 21, as well as the first five verses of 22 in the new earth prophecy. So we're here on the new earth, and one of the first things John the Revelator is shown is this beautiful city, which has already been created, and it descends, it descends, from heaven and is placed onto our new earth. In other words, God has already created it. When we think of building a city, we think of all the effort that has to be done, the the labor that's required, the materials that are needed. All of these things have already been taken care of. God the Father is going to relocate 
his home in present heaven to the new earth when he does this after all five of God's enemies are destroyed by Jesus Christ and after we transition to the new earth. So here we're hearing in a new earth prophecy in verse 2 about this city, which is Jerusalem, to distinguish it from the Jerusalem that exists now on this present earth and which has been built by man, it's called the New Jerusalem. But it's going to be placed onto the earth where Israel is today. Now let us hear a little bit more. Verse 2 of chapter 21, continuing in the New Earth Prophecy, And I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And so we have heard here that, It is in this timing, when we transition to the new earth, that God's home also transitions. What do we mean? He relocates from present heaven to the new earth. And what that means is that unlike today, where we are separated from God the Father who's in present heaven, all of us who are in Christ will be with God the Father and with Jesus Christ. So God's home will be on the earth. What earth? The new earth. And when do we get that new earth? We get it after the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, after the great white throne judgment. That's when the last two of God's enemies are destroyed. So on this new earth, God will be with us. And we're told some wonderful things about uh, about the new earth. We're told that on this new earth, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more pain, no more crying. And not only will we not have any of those things, uh, death, sorrow, crying, or pain, we're also told that these things are gone forever, forever and ever. Let's continue. Verse 5, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So we're told here that everything noted in verses 
one, two, four about the reality of the new earth, the reality of new heavens, the reality of no more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. We're told that all these realities are true and sure to come to pass, and God the Father who sits on the throne in present heaven right now, he says that he is making everything new, and he instructs John uh, the Revelator to write this down. And he says, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. So he's watching, he's watching the documentary, and God is talking to him as well. Um, so he sees it, the vision that the angel of the Lord shows him, and God the Father uh, talks to him and says, Look, I am making everything new. And indeed, he has looked, right? Uh, He has seen what the angel of the Lord is showing him. God the Father also says, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And he promises that every person who is victorious, in other words, every person who either dies in Christ or who is in Christ at the time of the second coming, will indeed inherit all these blessings. What does that mean, inherit the earth? What earth? The new earth. So to be victorious is to live in Christ, and if one experiences the first death, to die in Christ, and every person who is in Christ at the time of the second coming will have or does have his or her name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and inherits inherits the privilege of being a member of the royal race and being permitted to dwell on the new earth with God the Father and Jesus Christ forever and ever. And God the Father says, and I will be their God and they will be my children. So uh, some are children of God, and some are children of Satan, as noted in the Bible. Those who are children, and all human beings are children, uh, we will ultimately, at the end of the age, at the end of this world, we will all reside with our respective father. So for those of us who have God as our father, Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the evidence of that. And we will reside on the new earth. Those who are children of Satan and they have Satan as their father, they will reside with him. And he will be residing in the lake of fire, Gehenna. Okay. Then it says in verse 8, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now let's think about that. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So why is that their fate? Anyone who has rejected God and has 
uh, rejected the invitation to be restored to sonship, authorship, remains a son or daughter of Satan, remains a child of Satan due to the curse. Uh, And the wages of sin is death. So those individuals have not been to mediation. That means that God has a case against them. That means that their sin debt is unpaid. So the case is where all of the sins that an individual has committed are there. And it doesn't matter whether it's one sin or one billion sins. Now, to the human mind, that doesn't sound right. But in God's, uh, in the way that God has determined eligibility for participation on the new earth, a person must have 100% of the sin debt paid for. And the evidence of that is in is that in the individual's book in heaven, all of the sins have been blotted out. They no longer appear there. The person has been to mediation, uh, uh, as noted in First Timothy. In other words, the person has made Jesus Christ his or her uh Lord and Savior, has followed God's steps and plans for salvation, has repented of uh, sins, number one, repent. Number two, make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. Number three, be baptized for the remission of your sin debt. They have done that, and then they have subsequently received the free gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of them. Um, So, For those individuals who have not had their sin debt paid for, that means uh, they still have all their sins with them. So in other words, uh, they have a lifestyle that has resulted in them being cowards or unbelievers, uh, being corrupt, uh, perhaps being a a murderer being immoral, practicing witchcraft, an idol worshiper, a liar. All of these individuals are children of Satan, and they do not follow Jesus Christ. Christ is not in them, and therefore they're in the lake of fire. That's the second death. So we already know that they are in the lake of fire because We see in the previous documentary, The Dead Judged Prophecy, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, that they were thrown into the lake of fire when it was determined that they had some number of sins, which are read out loud at the great white throne judgment, and when further evidence was provided of their ineligibility for uh, habitation on the new earth, when it was found that their name or names, uh, are not recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we already know that, but in this new documentary, The New Earth, it's just confirming that it's only those who are victorious who inherit the new earth. Again, it says in verse 8, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Okay, so remember, the second death is the lake of fire. It it says it right here. It also says it in the dead judge prophecy. And the second death is permanent. It's God's 
strategy for destroying any person or entity that is evil. So what are the evil entities and individuals? The Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, the children of Satan, as well as death and the grave. Okay. Now let's continue in the New Earth Prophecy. Verse 9, it says, Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Let's pause there for a second. So what we have heard is that John the Revelator was shown the wife of the Lamb. Now this is interesting. So we know that the church is also referred to as the Bride of Christ. So we are his forever family. He is the groomsman. We are the bride. What else does God have that's forever? What else does God have that's forever? So he has his forever family, which he loves forever, and he refers to us as his bride. Also, and we get married at the first resurrection, right? That's the marriage of the Lamb. That's when he gets his forever family. We transition from mortality to immortality. We put on an incorruptible body. And we so uh, and so forever shall we be with the Lord at the first resurrection. In addition, here is talking about another thing. So God gets His forever family, but a second thing is that God gets His forever home. So this time. Jerusalem will never, ever be destroyed. And God is very excited about relocating his home from present heaven, talking about God the Father, from present heaven to the new earth. And we know that because he's about to tell us in great detail this magnificent city that he's already built It already exists, and we're just waiting for the appointed day and hour when that city is going to literally descend from heaven and merge onto the present earth in Israel. Uh, Now, again, it says, And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. The holy city, Jerusalem, it's referred to, I believe, as the bride because it's another thing that God will have from that point forward forever and ever. So when Jesus Christ marries the church at the time of the first resurrection, he gets his forever family. When the new Jerusalem descends from heaven, it is going to be here on this new earth forever and ever. And it's referred to here as the wife of the lamb now let's hear more about it continuing in verse 11 what else do we hear about the holy city god's forever home 
Verse 11, beginning uh, right where we ended, it says, It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high, with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels. And the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. So let's pause there. So this city is amazing. It sparkles like precious stones. It is encircled by a wall that's high and broad. So it's a walled city. It has boundaries, and these boundaries are a wall. The wall is uh, high and broad, and the city also has 12 gates, which are guarded by 12 angels. And we're told that on each of these 12 gates are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, uh, the gates are divided this way. It says there were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. So each wall, there are three, um, or corresponding to each wall, there are three gates. Then it says, the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, isn't that wonderful? So the city forever commemorates in writing the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. That is fantastic. So we have their names uh, on the gates and in the foundation stones. Continuing in verse 15, the angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. So this is not a metaphor. This is the reality of a physical city that has been built and will descend from heaven onto the new earth. And this city, Jerusalem, uh, it's called the New Jerusalem to distinguish it from the current Jerusalem, but it's going in that exact same location And we're told that it is 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles long, and 1,400 miles high, that it's actually a square. Uh, And the walls, which we already know are broad and high, are 216 feet thick. 216 feet thick. Uh, Okay, let's continue. Learning more about the New Jerusalem, which is where God the Father will have his home when he relocates from present heaven to the new earth. Jesus Christ, that's God manifest in the flesh, will also be there. We're going to hear that in a moment. So more about uh, this city, the holy city, it says in verse 18 of chapter 21, the wall was made of jasper and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. Okay, so that 
uh, feet thick wall. It's made of jasper. And about the city in its entirety, it says it's clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. Now, we already know that there are uh, 12 foundation stones because we heard earlier that the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb are written on them. But now we're told that these foundation stones are inlaid with precious stones. Okay, so now let's hear more about that. The first was Jasper the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. So these foundation stones with the names of the twelve apostles are inlaid with precious stones. Okay, so each of the foundation stones is inlaid with a precious stone. More details. Continuing here in verse 21, the 12 gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold as clear as glass. So we heard first about the dimensions of the city, and then we heard about the wall and the gates and the foundation. And then we got a lot of details on all of those things. And now we hear, uh, we just heard the 12 gates were made, are made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. And that the main street is pure gold. Finally, what else do we learn about this city? So now we're moving beyond a description of the city, but that's exciting and important. It communicates the reality of this as a real physical city, and it's shared in such detail that I think it's very difficult to interpret this as a metaphor unless someone simply um, – is disinterested in the truth for whatever reasons. So we've heard a great description of the city. Now we're going to continue with verse 22. We're going to hear some details about uh, the nature of life in this city during uh, the time of the new earth. Verse 22 says, I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now, note something interesting here. This is the first place where we hear a reference to both God the Father and Jesus Christ. So we know that they are together now in present heaven. They will be together again on the new earth. Now, when Jesus Christ returns for the marriage of the Lamb, God the Father stays in present heaven. So they will be separated, uh, if you will, uh, by physical distance. In other words, um, when Jesus Christ returns at the time of the second coming, he's coming for facilitating the first resurrection, the marriage of the Lamb, getting his forever family, fighting and winning the battle of Armageddon, uh, establishing his government on the earth for a thousand years, and preparing 
for the destruction of Satan, which will happen at the end of the thousand years. And then after that, now we go to God the Father presiding over the great white throne judgment. And finally, uh, God the Father relocating from present heaven to the new earth. But this is the first place uh, where we hear and we see the timing of God and Jesus Christ being together again after Jesus uh, being here on the present earth for the millennial reign. Now, you might say, or well, research scientists, Jesus can go in between uh, present earth and heaven at any time. Certainly, certainly. Um, simply communicating that at this point on the new earth, both are dwelling, have their permanent residence, residence uh as the new earth at this time. Um, okay, so it says, I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So God the Father has already relocated his home from present heaven to the new earth. And Jesus Christ was already here, right? Because he will have been here for more than a 1,000 years, uh, just a little over a 1,000 years. Verse 23 says, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. So this is interesting. You know, we're told elsewhere in the Bible that there's um, God is light and there's no darkness in him. And here we're, say, we're told that the glory of God the Father illuminates the city, and the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ, is its light. Way. Um, on the new earth and in new Jerusalem specifically, there's no need for sun or moon, which uh, is very interesting. Today, we need we need both of these things to give us light, right? So we use the sun to illuminate the day, and we use... Uh, we use the moon to illuminate the night. Okay, let us continue. Verse 24 says, The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. So this is interesting. We're told that there will be nations on the new earth. So there will be nations beyond Israel. And these nations will walk in the light of New Jerusalem, the light that emanates from New Jerusalem. So today, if you think about, well, you know, what's the capital of the world? Um, you might say, well, we have to look at the capital of a nation or Maybe you might have some ideas uh, here in uh, here in the United States of America. It's Washington D.C., and um, some people might argue the capital of the world is London, or it's New York City, or it's uh, Hong Kong, or I don't know what you might argue. But on the New Earth, the New Jerusalem will be the center of the world because it's going to be headquarters for God the Father and for Jesus Christ. Headquarters, what does that mean? 
the government of the world where the king of all kings and the lord of all lords, where he resides, it won't be Washington, D.C., or Zurich, or Geneva, or Lisbon. He is going to live right in this place that we're talking about, specifically um, in the new Jerusalem. Then it says, the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. So in other words, it's daytime at all times. <laughs> we're actually beyond time because we're in eternity future. But there's, there's, never, there's no night. There's no night. There's no night. In this city, and it says, and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then in Revelation 22, verses 1 to 5, it says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops. With a fresh crop each month, the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. So again, we have a reference to the nations, and the nations are healing. Healing from uh, what? Well, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions... Those are those are being uh, renewed, right? We're growing in Christ. We are uh, healing, and so when I look at that, I think about the reality that during during the millennial reign, we're told that Jesus Christ is going to uh, be the mediator for the nations, which is very interesting. That means even though um, Jesus is here on the earth, folks still aren't getting along to some extent, even though there will never, ever be another war after the Battle of Armageddon. So this is interesting. Uh, There's a wonderful tree of life that bears 12 crops of fruit. Why do we need fruit? Because we're going to eat in our incorruptible bodies. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he ate fish in his incorruptible body. So we're certainly going to eat as well. It ends with this. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there. A third reference to the reality of both God the Father and Jesus Christ being on the new earth. Some people will say, well, I don't understand that. So in Timothy we're told, great is the mystery of the Godhead. So God the Father is able to uh, exist in more than one form. I heard uh, one teacher talk about it this way. He said that he was a father, a son, and a husband, yet he was one. And if we think about that, we can wrap our brains around that, but when you think about that, those are three different roles, yet we can understand it. Well, God is one. He gave him, God the Father gave himself a physical body 
so that he could reside on an earth that is cursed. So Jesus Christ is both the Son of God and the Son of Man, which allowed him to die on the cross in our place. When God the Father transitions from present heaven to the new earth, he continues to dwell uh and continues to have the Godhead. So we have both God the Father and Jesus Christ with us. And it says, No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face. Did you hear that? We're going to see the face of God the Father. Now think about this. We're going to see the face of Jesus Christ when we uh, either, when we, we're going to see the face of Jesus Christ on this present earth during the millennial reign, right, and during the first resurrection. But for a thousand years we will have seen the face of Jesus Christ, but the face of God the Father we will see perpetually, continuously, uh, or continually, when we're all together here on the new earth. And it says, and they will see his face talking about all who are part of the bride of Christ, all who are members of the royal race, all whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, all who participated in the first resurrection, in the marriage of the Lamb. And his name will be written on their foreheads. Now think about that. The mark of God will be on the forehead of every child of God. That's the true mark. The mark of the beast is a counterfeit. The mark of the beast is a counterfeit. So the mark of God is going to be on our forehead, and it's also referred to in Revelation chapter 3, but we have it here again. In the final documentary, the New Earth documentary, uh, we can also talk about it as the New Earth prophecy in the book of Revelation. And it says, And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them. So we heard that twice. There will be no night there, and the Lord God will shine on us. And it ends with, and they will reign forever and ever. So everyone who is eligible for participation on the new earth will indeed transition to living on the new earth. And only those who are victorious, who are in Christ, who are children of God the Father, will live on the new earth. And as such, that means that these individuals, I hope it includes you, friend and truth seeker, it means that we are members of the royal race. We are the bride of Christ. And we will reign with God the Father and Jesus Christ on the new earth forever and ever. So forever and ever is eternity future. That's after the end of the world. So when uh, Peter says, the end of the world is coming, when's that happen? 
That happens after the great white throne judgment when everything is judged and the heavens are set on fire and the old earth is uh, passes away and we go to a new earth and new heavens. So I don't know about you, but I am very excited about the new earth. Again, on the new earth there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death, no more crying. That's something to look forward to. I hope that you'll be with me again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Texas time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time. And also every Sunday at 12 noon Central time. That's 12 noon Texas time and 1 p.m. Eastern time. This month, December of 2023, we are talking about the New Earth Prophecy in the book of Revelation. It is the pinnacle of uh, the last book in the Bible. So it's the last prophecy in the last book of the Bible. It's the New Earth Prophecy. It's prophecy number 12. I want to thank you for being here with me and with us. If you have comments or questions, would you text them to me, uh, Nicole, your Book of Revelation Research Scientist. Our PGN text number is one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. When you text, Prophet Randy, Prophet Randy Chandler will get your text and he will share it with me, and I will respond on a future broadcast. So please feel free to text in your questions or comments about the book of Revelation. I'm excited to receive them. Also, during the live Internet broadcast, you are welcome to uh, share your perspective or post questions. Our PGN number is 1319-527-6027. That's for this particular program on PGN. That uh, number is 1319-527-6027. So this is the old PGN number. If you're used to listening and you call if you're used to listening on the internet and uh you call in for Prophet Randy's show Monday through Thursday, then you're using our new number. That's the six seven three seven number. But for the other programs on PGN at this time, you want to use that old number which is one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. It still works. I would love to hear your perspective on the book of Revelation. I want to end with encouraging you. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 says, Those who hear the words of prophecy and obey them in the book of Revelation are blessed. So, truth seeker and friend, I pray that you obey the words of prophecy in the book of Revelation. I declare and decree that because you have heard the words of prophecy in the book of Revelation, and you purpose in your heart and mind to obey them, that you are blessed according to the word of God. Thank you for being with me and with us. If you haven't done so yet, I urge you, according to Jeremiah 33, 3, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. Until next time, friend, God bless you.